is being families, being a community together. And one of the other neat things, before I turn around and talk to them, you'll notice in your bulletins and everywhere that this is called a child dedication this week. Why? Well, I'm sorry, Joanne's not a baby, nor is, nor is Jonathan. But one of the neat testimonies is when Sydney, when Selena came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, they instantly began to long and desire to raise their children to follow the Lord with all of their lives. So they're choosing to dedicate them today. And so now I'm going to turn my attention, and I will turn back to you because we have a responsibility as the church. But first, I want to talk to you guys. Can I do that? And I want to start with just making a couple of comments of why we do this. It's a longstanding tradition in the church that we make the commitment as parents. I've done so with each of my children to do everything in our power to raise our children as healthy, mature disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, dedication doesn't guarantee anything. It does not guarantee their salvation. It does not guarantee you won't fight with your kids when they get older in the teenage years. Uh, It doesn't do that sort of thing. But it does say before God and man that we're making this covenant to do all we can to bring them to church, to disciple them to create an environment for them where they see God in our lives, where they see us teaching not just the words themselves of God, but the application of the word of God. Why do we do this? Well, you turn to the passage of scripture that I pray with my kids every night. Uh, Not all of it will I read to my kids every night, but they know that this is significant for us as parents. Hear, O Israel, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Talk, impress them on your children. Why do we dedicate? Because you're making this commitment to impressing these words of God on the hearts of your kids. Talk about them when you sit at home when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get ready for bed, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Keep God's word central. Keep the Lord central in every area of your life with your kids. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates that wherever you go, your kids know you love them and you love God and love his word and are passing that on as the ultimate legacy we can. So what I'm going to do is I want to introduce you to these children. Can you hold this for me for a second, Jonathan? And we're going to start with this little one. This is Beatrice. I want everyone to formally meet Beatrice, Ben and Sue Lee's beautiful little child. Can you say hi? Awesome. Good. We're going to make our way down the list. This is my good friend, Jonathan. We love Jonathan very much. And make sure you let him know that today. Okay, you three, come here. Hello, princess. Gwyneth, Kristen, can you guys come here? Can you stand with Uncle Mike for a minute? This is, you can give her a kiss. There we go. This is Gwyneth. 
and Kristen and Danielle, three beautiful little girls that we love very much and that they need to know you love them as well. Oh, time's up. Daddy lost, Uncle Mike lost that one. There we go. Okay, Noel, you going to give me another chance? This is Noel. Oh, I haven't had to hold a newborn in a while, huh? Noel is Candy and Steven's newest little blessing and Matt's younger sister. Do you love your sister? Yeah. <laughs> See, I already did this. And we love Noel and are glad to welcome him, welcome her to the church family. And this is Joanne. We love Joanne very much. I tell the story of Joanne that one of my first meetings with her, we broke her. If you remember at the church retreat, we managed to let her dislocate her shoulder. And that's one of my first interactions with Joanne. But we love Selena. We love Joanne very much. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to read to you and ask you as parents to make this commitment before your church family and God just what we've already talked about. Believing that your children are a gift from God and that he will hold you accountable for them. Do you now solemnly confess that it is your goal and purpose to dedicate your child or children to the Lord and to his service? Will you pray with them and for them daily, instructing them faithfully in the doctrines of the Christian faith? teaching them to read and love the Word of God, to pray and to lead a holy life, faithfully coming to church, faithfully getting involved in the ministry of life together, and doing all that is in your power as parents to bring these children to knowing and having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as His disciples. Will you do that? Now, church, it doesn't stop just with that wonderful commitment. Because as a church, we are told to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey what the Lord has taught. And that's important for us because that starts with these little and bigger ones. It starts with us investing in the lives of these children and their parents. It starts with us knowing their names, with us praying for them, with us investing in them. One of the greatest memories I have of being a kid in a church was that people, adults, grown-ups, big people, scary people, whatever you wanted to call them, loved me, not just my parents. I can still remember my Sunday school teachers. I can still remember my youth leaders that put up with me. And they were committed to helping my parents raise me to follow the Lord with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and with all my strength. So church, will you partner with each of these families to teach these children the word of God, to help them be disciples mature and growing in their faith. Will you do that? We will. Then together, we as your church family will pray for and dedicate these children, asking that God 
would work in their lives, that God would empower you. Parenthood, so far for me, it's a bit of a challenge at times. I think you would agree. But it's a blessed joy. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for these kids. We thank you for Beatrice, for Jonathan, for Kristen, for Gwyneth, for Danielle, for Noel, for Matt, for Joanne. And we ask, Lord, that they would grow up to learn to love you with all of their heart, with all of their mind, with all of their soul, and with all their strength, and that they would love others, as we say, even more than themselves. God, we pray that you would give great wisdom, perseverance, and joy to their parents, that their parents would seek you daily, that they would commit their children into your hands, and that they would allow their children to go where you lead them, and that they would be partnering with them every step of the way. Lord, guide us as the church as we seek to effectively make disciples of each child and adult that comes through our doors, that we may together follow where you lead us as a community of believers. In this we pray, amen. We love you and we look forward to doing life together as the days continue. Okay, guys, you can go downstairs. Make sure you greet them warmly after church. Now, while we prepare, apparently I should stop using this microphone again. What we'll do now is we will invite all the children to head upstairs to Children's Church, those ages three to nine, and the rest can join us or head to the nursery, but we'll release them as we prepare for the offering this morning. So we'll give them a minute to kind of file out. As we prepare for the offering, one of the things I'm reminded of, we kind of pray this, and I do believe we mean it, but I think about the gifts that a mother gives to their child. Uh, you know, they give their love, their time, their attention, their energy, far beyond what most men can understand. And God has given us such great gifts. Uh, I've never been one to be afraid to talk about money and the joy of giving of our tithes and offerings back to that which God has given us. Because it's all His anyway. He has blessed us and taken care of us and provided. So it's a joy to give to the Lord from what he has given to us. I know with the economic downturn, things may be tough. But this I also know, that you can't outgive the Lord. And so as we've talked about as a church, we seek to give faithfully and full of faith that God would use this money to bring glory to his name. It's not about a church program or a church person. It's about God. And when we give back, we say, God, be glorified. We thank you for the opportunity to give. And so let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you look after us. We don't deserve it, but you love us. We are sinners. You are holy. You gave your one and only son that we might have life and be righteous before you, washed by the blood of the Lamb. And so, Lord, we give gratefully this morning. And I ask that you would use these tithes and offerings for your glory, 
for your name's sake, that your kingdom would be expanded, that the little ones in our church would grow to be more like you, that the older ones among us would continue to grow in knowledge and in depth of insight, and that we would be a church that is known as a church full of mature disciples for you. We love you, Lord. Amen.
Would you open your Bibles with me this morning to Deuteronomy chapter 4? If you didn't bring a Bible, listen along. I'm going to read to you Deuteronomy chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 9. Hear now, O Israel, the decrees and laws I am about to teach you. Follow them so you may live and may go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord God I give you. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor. But all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully. For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Lord, I ask that you would teach us this morning, that you would soften our hearts, that you would quiet our minds, and that the words spoken would be your words, that they would honor you and that they would point us and lead us to being more like your son, Jesus. Be glorified in our study of your word, we pray. Amen. Well, it is indeed Mother's Day. I think we've made that abundantly clear throughout the morning. And today we continue our study looking at uh, Moses' last thoughts and last sermons to the people of Israel. And when you get to chapter 4, he begins something that maybe you're familiar of if, if you've had a mom in your life. He begins to give a, what's the nice way to put this? A not-so-subtle reminder of what he expects of the people. Now, when we talk about our moms or our wives or husbands, there's a special word for that. It's called nag. Moses begins a series of repetition of the law and of the decrees the Lord has given to make sure the people of Israel know and understand just what God gave them. Does it sound familiar? Maybe I'm the only one that grew up hearing some things from mom, but I tried to think when I was a kid. Now, this, this is probably a reflection of my personality, so bear with me. But I wanted to give you some things that maybe you would have heard from my mom if you were a fly on the wall growing up. First, listen to me when I'm talking to you, right? But don't talk back to me. It's very important. Clean your room. I still get that one from my mom. Because I said so. Many of you have said that one. Do your homework. 
kids, have you done your homework? If you wear that, you'll get sick. Eat your vegetables. It goes without saying. Use your manners. You'll be okay. It's not the end of the world. Have you had your devotions? Are you loving God and others? Let's pray about that. I love you. The thing is, I've got a great mom. I hope she decides to listen to today's podcast. My parents don't usually listen to me preach. No, they, they do actually, but I hope she listens to this because the greatest thing my mom ever did for me was point me to the person of Jesus Christ. It was my mom, not that my dad didn't love me, but it was a special mother-son time every morning that we would read the Bible together. As, as I was a little kid, we read these things called keys for kids, that there was a, a Bible passage and then a devotional that went with it. And as we got older, we just went straight to the Word of God, and we would read through, I think at one point, James or Philippians or these other books, and we did that together. That was my mom's legacy. She was teaching me to love the Word of God. And then as we got older, she would know, and this used to drive me nuts if I was really grumpy or irritated, or as she would say, if I, if I looked like I was baptized in prune juice, she'd look at me with all the love and sternness and say, how's your relationship with the Lord? Have you been having your devotions? Have you spent time with him? And she could always tell. And that drove me nuts. Because my mom knew that I wasn't walking with the Lord as I could be. But the other thing about my mom is she loved me so much that she taught me that the faith was my own. That it wasn't that my mom and dad were leaders in the church. My dad was the pastor as long as pretty much I can remember of churches. But she taught me to follow the Lord with my own heart, to seek to be like him, not just because mom and dad said so, but because it is truly the greatest and biggest privilege in life to follow God. And how did she love me? And she still tells me she loves me every time we speak, and I her. But she taught me to love him and love others. And I know I don't always do that well. But as we look at this passage, I think this is what Moses is conveying to the people. As he prepares to remind them of the law that has been given. As he prepares to teach them again. He wants them to understand that it's way bigger than just a static, stuffy list of rules. How do I know that to be true? Well, the first thing you see is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1. I, I like to think of this as the biblical order of obedience. Hear, O Israel, the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Get ready. They're coming. Listen well. There's hearing, and then there's hearing, right? And we'll talk about that. Follow them. So that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. If you look there, you kind of see three things that are paramount to obedience. First, hear, listen up. Again, we're gonna, the mother's theme is going to run throughout this morning. It seemed appropriate. But has your mother ever had to tell me, I know you're hearing me, but are you really listening or did that just go in one ear and out the other? Did you ever hear that one? 
or any others. Are you listening to me right now, Michael? No. I used to say that. That, that didn't go well. But you get this idea that how can we obey if we haven't heard and listened? So often we, ex- we have expectations of others, but have we communicated those to them? That's, that's always a big challenge any of us deal with in any situation where we've got other people in our lives. Because there's the spoken expectation, right? The, the ones that are clear and in front of you or even put on a piece of paper. And then there's all those unwritten expectations, right? Now, for instance, and, and this, I have no problem with this, and it's, it's just a humorous thing. I wear a tie when I preach. Nowhere in my contract or in any sort of the documents about being a pastor at Alliance International Church does it say Mike Rose will wear a tie when I preach. But I know some people really appreciate that. And for me personally, I want to put on my best for the Lord when I get up here. So it's a personal thing. You could choose to do what you want. But for me, that's what I do. That's, that's an unwritten expectation I have of myself. Nobody else is doing that. Well, maybe some of you do expect that. I don't know. That, that's your decision. But for me, I want to do that. But the thing is with the Lord, his expectations are so clear. They're right here. It's, it's not a mystery. There are things about the Lord that are a mystery, but he's pretty clear on what he expects of us. Crystal clear. He put it in writing, and he gave it to us. So he says, hear what I'm having to say. And he says next, Moses reminds the people, if you look at verse 1, follow them, follow the decrees, follow the laws, follow the teachings I'm about to teach you. It's not good enough just to know what something says, is it? Excuse me for a second. I have, since we've changed seasons, I have tried a new allergy medicine and it makes me very thirsty, so I apologize for that. Many of you are teachers and educators among us, or even in the business world, you teach and train uh, others. And when you think about this idea of following it's like giving an exam. And I had one professor in college. It was my marketing, uh, my second marketing class. And I loved marketing. But there was this one professor that at the time, I just thought he was really, really mean. I actually really liked the guy. But I thought he was just the world's meanest test giver. Because he didn't ask you what exactly was in the book or in your notes. How rude. Because I could read that. I can read anything and pretty much remember it. I have that sort of memory. I can remember the page number and everything that. Nah, he expected us to be able to apply what he had taught us to real life situations. How dare he? That was way harder. And my grades sometimes showed it because I studied it all with others in in study groups. And then I got there and he didn't ask what was in the book. He asked how to apply it. And I was like, you didn't tell us to do that. And he said, yes, I did. You ever say that to your teachers? You didn't tell us that was going to be on the test. That wasn't the point. He was teaching us just what Moses is telling the people. Don't just hear the word. Don't just memorize the textbook. Do that. Know the word of God. Hide it in your heart. Bind it close to you. Know it. Live it. And that's the key. We want to live the word of God. Follow it. You can't follow and apply what you don't know and what you haven't heard. 
but it's more than simply just hearing it. There's a lot of people that know a lot about the Bible. There's a lot of people in the world that know way more about the Bible than you and I. But they've never allowed it to infiltrate their heart, to change them, and to shape them as they grow to follow Jesus Christ. Just knowing, as they would say on G.I. Joe, knowing is only half the battle. What we do with it, the following of God and his ways is key. And what happens when that happens, when we begin to follow? Live. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. He tells us later on to obey what I have taught you and then to teach it to others. We live out that which we know. And we find great fullness in a life that is committed to following the word of God. There is no greater life imaginable than a life that is committed to going exactly where God leads. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not promising it will be super easy. In fact, there are many times when it might be really difficult. But you will not find fulfillment in $10 billion. You will not find fulfillment in having 800 homes in this property market. You will not find fulfillment in the success of your children. You will not find fulfillment in having eight cars, 12 toys, this, that, or the other, or in any secular pursuit, or in any handbag, or item of clothing, or fancy pair of shoes. True life is found only through God. And so when we talk about living, there's only one way to live for him. And I know it sounds simplistic, but it's not. It's the right way. It's the only way. I am, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Will we live for him? Will we do what he says? You know, we like to call ourselves Christians, but then we get to parts of the Bible that maybe make us uncomfortable, or maybe we decide we want to reinterpret And it's interesting what comes next, because we're told very clearly, don't add to what I command you and don't subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord God that I give you. And all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. This was a very tangible thing for the people of Israel. Those that disobeyed, that worshiped other gods, were dead. Those that followed were still alive. But it goes beyond that because it says, don't make up your own rules. Don't do your own thing and don't take away from what God's word has already said. Now, remember, at this point, the inspiration of God was passed down. And Moses had given the law to the people, but they didn't read. So they had spoken the law and they were told to teach it to one another, to pass it on to one another. And they weren't in doing so. Or if it was a scribe that was writing later on, if they missed even a single thing, they had to start over. It was serious to make sure that nothing was added or nothing was taken away from God's very word. But today, we contend to want to try to subtract from his word those things that maybe we're not supposed to do that make us uncomfortable. Or we want to add to it to make sure that it, it really means that we're supposed to be happy or, or we're supposed to do things or 
you know, regardless of what you think, you will not find in the Bible that cleanliness is next to godliness. Nobody's heard that? Okay, I thought it was funny. But the point is, we have to be so careful that we hold God's word as an authority, that we don't seek to reinterpret it to fit our situations, that we don't seek to tell God what we think he's telling us, that instead we go, we listen first, and we follow and we live out his commands. Sometimes we can approach the Bible in exactly the opposite order. We decide the life we want to live. We then follow the path that we feel we should set for ourselves. And then we ask God to show us in his word where that's what he meant to say. Right? Nobody's shaking their heads. Maybe I hit too close to home. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever done that. I was in, univer- in Bible college. And we, had, we went in this class and it was called Gifts, Guidance, and Goals. So you're supposed to look at your spiritual gifts. Then you were supposed to ask God to guide you along the process. Then you were supposed to plan out how your life would be over the next 5, 10, and 15 years. I made it about three months until my plan completely changed. And I am so glad it did. I got a fiancé in the process. That wasn't in my plans. I got to go to China twice. That was not in my plans right away. And then... I got to move to weird places like Alabama and Minnesota, very different places from where I had known. That was amazing. And then I got this phone call not so long ago. Would I be willing to come to Hong Kong? That was not in my plans. I was supposed to be getting ready to go teach English up in northern China where there's winter. I like winter. This heat thing is weird. But God had a different plan. And praise the Lord, he did. Because I am confident and I know from his word that I have followed right where he led. He opened the door and we walked through it. And we haven't been perfect and we will make mistakes. But God does guide us. And often we say, what's, the, what's God's will for my life? Really easy. Follow him. This is not confusing. It's so simple. It's so easy. It may take effort and discipline on our part, but don't add to it. Don't tell God what to do in your life. Ask him. God, guide me. Teach me. But then go to his word first. Don't go around and asking all your friends. There's a place for that. There is a place for wise counsel. But the word of God is true and passes the test of every time. It's infallible. It's inerrant. It's right. Follow it. And you know what happens when we become a people, a church that follows the Lord? When we do what he commands, when we hold fast to him? Listen carefully to these verses. Observe them and follow them carefully. Or observe them carefully. I didn't mean to add to his word, sorry. For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? We talk a lot about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. God came down to earth as a man, as a human, and lived among us fully God and fully man. And sometimes we make it sound like then in the Old Testament, God must have been very distant, right? We get that picture. This says no way. 
This says, all along, God is near. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined. He leaned down to me and he heard my prayer. How awesome is that? God leans down to us. Every other world religion that talks about a God means we've got to earn our way to him. Following Jesus Christ with all of our lives says, you've got no chance. Praise the Lord. Because Jesus Christ died and paid the price for you because he came near. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you? So let me talk about this, these few verses for a minute because they're great. They tell us a lot about the, the role of Israel and then in the new covenant, the role of us, the church, in the world around us. When we follow when we know and when we obey and live out the word of God, the world sees that. And they see it as something different, just like Moses says. What other nation is so great to have their gods near? I can say that as I prayed this morning and I watched the sunrise before it started pouring rain, it was just this beautiful reminder to me that God is with me. And that he is not at all confused by the events of the day. He knows and has a plan and is near and walks with me. And even carries me at times. He's near and invites us to be a people of prayer. And to be a people of his word. And to be a people of obedience. And when we are, we are evangelists as a group. Not just as an individual. But when people see AIC is about a group of people that love him and love one another, that doesn't make sense to the world. And it's a joy to invite them to say, hey, come check us out. Come see how great our God is. Come see how amazing he is because everything we do isn't about us, we hope. Now, yes, we all have our ideas of what church should be. But it is my prayer that we never lose sight that it is always our mission first to bring glory to God's name. That is always our first role. Everything else follows. We bring glory to his name by obeying him, by following him, and by listening and doing his will. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you? I've lived in weird places, and I've heard of weird laws all over the world. It was only recently announced in one country or in one city in a, in a part of, I believe, Florida that um, you could marry, oh, I forget the law, but it was a very odd law, not having to do with homosexuality, but it was something like you could get married on a certain day of the week. Or in other parts of the world, we have all these laws that are meant, that were, were intended good, but cause more problems than good, don't they? You know? And many of you can think of laws where you're like, why is this one reality? For instance, and I love Singapore. It's a great city, but I, I don't understand why you can't chew gum. I don't get that. I guess it's because they've been to schools in America where all the gum is stuck up underside of the, get, of the desk. So maybe I do get that, actually. But what is amazing is the laws of God are so righteous and so just. They're perfect. They are meant and given as a means for us to live well. 
They are meant to be the laws that guide us into the greatest life imaginable, a life that is about following and obeying God. God didn't give these as a checklist so that he could have a report card checking off how good we are. He loves us so much that he gave laws and decrees, and Jesus came along and said, follow me, obey me. Because I've come that you might have the life that God created you to have. Only in Christ, only in following the ways of the Lord, do we find life in law. Because Christ came to fulfill the law. Isn't that amazing? Jesus Christ, a real person, came to fulfill the law. And when he was invited to sum up the whole law, again, he kept it simple. He could have given lots of theological treatises on all the things we need to understand, words like propitiation and, uh, and sanctification and all these things, which are hugely important. But at the end of the day, you know what he said? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. He summed it up. Does that mean we don't have to follow the Ten Commandments? No, that's inclusive. Does that mean we don't have to do these other things? No, it's included. It's who God is. He invites us to remember it's about loving him first. Why wouldn't we obey if we love? Right? Why wouldn't we serve others? Because we love them. Then finally, we're reminded of a couple more things. Be careful. Watch yourselves closely. In the New Testament, we're told to watch our doctrine closely so that you don't forget the things your eyes have seen. Remember, Israel as a country has seen amazing things as God provides for them and delivers them. I have never seen the Victoria Harbor part in two and been allowed to walk across it. For that matter, I have never been in that water and don't plan on going in that water anytime soon. The people of Israel walked across a dry Red Sea. That's amazing. They'd seen that among many other miraculous things. God guided them as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Do we even understand how miraculous that is? Only God can do that. Don't forget what we have seen. We've seen some miracles in our family that, by contrast, are quite small. And I'm so blessed by that. When Izzy was three years old, you've heard me tell the story before, she suffered from asthma terribly to the point where she would cough and cough and cough for 45 minutes at a time. And we, the, the elders of the church came and they anointed her and she was healed miraculously and has not had a coughing fit since. And she's now almost eight. And if you ask her what happened, she said, Jesus took my cough away. And then we've been praying for my younger daughter who had a wart on her toe. And it was a big deal because she couldn't wear shoes. And it was really uncomfortable for her. And so we prayed with her every night. And, and she is a fervent little prayer, as a three-year-old can be. And you know what? Friday, Melissa was giving her a bath, and she'd noticed that it had completely fallen off. And so on Saturday, we were having some lunch, and it was Dory and, and I think maybe Rosella downstairs. And we asked... Eliza, what happened to the wart? And she was about to say, well, mommy scrubbed and put the medicine. And then she said, oh, no, 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 no. God took it. And that was her answer. But we often forget that. 
we often as older, you know, we're told to have faith like a child. As we get older, do we remember all the miraculous things God has done throughout his word and throughout your and my life? Or do we begin to rationalize and explain everything away? That's why Moses finishes this section by saying, be careful. Watch yourselves closely so that you don't forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart. Hold them in your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and your children's children after them and keep it going. It is a legacy to be spent. We are to be careful with the word of God. We are to watch closely how we communicate it and how we live it. We're not to forget it. It's not a, it's when it's convenient, remember, his word is his word, constant, living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. Isn't that awesome? I love that. And then we teach it to our kids. President Woodrow Wilson was also the president of Princeton University at one point, and he spoke these words to a parents group. And he said, I get many letters from you parents about your children. You know why we people up here in Princeton can't make, you want to know why we people up here in Princeton can't make more out of them and do more for them. Maybe you've written a letter like that or received it. Let me tell you the reason why we can't. It may shock you just a little, and I'm not trying to be rude. The reason is that they are your sons and daughters, reared in your homes, blood of your blood, bone of your bone. They have absorbed the ideals of your home. You have formed and fashioned them. They are your children. In those malleable, moldable years of their lives, you have forever left your imprint upon them. Did you teach them to be careful with the word? Did you teach them to watch closely? Did you teach them to remember it all the days, to meditate on it day and night? Did you teach them to take it seriously? Did you teach them to follow after God, loving them with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength? Or did you just hope their school, their extracurriculars, and everything else would do it for you? We as parents and as a church have a huge responsibility to teach the truth of who God is to our children and to our world. We invite one another to hear the word of God. We invite one another to follow closely and to live the life God has promised us. Will we do it? Will we remember the words of Moses that he just wanted to pass on to the people? Will we love the law that God has given us? We love the freedom that comes from knowing he invites us to a full life. And will we pass that truth on to the generations to follow? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for inviting us into a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ, who came to fulfill the very laws that you had given. I ask that we would live out those laws the application of those, starting with loving you and loving others. I pray that we would be faithful to make disciples, obey, teaching others to obey the words you have taught us. And Lord, help us to love your word. Help us to be students. And not just students, but then 
those that apply it to every area of our lives. In your name I pray. Amen. Please stand with us once again.